Thank you for tuning in into the Journey Podcast. May today's message help you in your own spiritual journey. Well, this morning we're wrapping up our series entitled Keep On. Uh, it has developed into a series about running the race. And at the beginning of the series, we defined that uh, uh, the Apostle Paul in Hebrews, he used this illustration. He used this picture of a race to describe our own spiritual journey of faith. We have defined at the beginning of the series that the race is our spiritual journey of faith and the participants do not include everyone in this world. But Paul is talking about participants uh, and he's talking about people who already have this personal relationship with Jesus. And every person who declares to follow Christ was made the decision uh, to make Christ his Lord and Savior. He is part, he or she is part of that race. And we have talked about uh, the finish line. The finish line is when the Lord, our Heavenly Father, takes us back to Him. And we become glorified with Him in His presence. That's the finish line. It's when we ultimately become like Christ. And today, we're wrapping it up. Uh, we talked about that, you know, in this race, uh, there are trials, there are times that we stumble, uh, we lose our way. In the race, sometimes we slow down, sometimes we give up. But it's important also to, uh, to be in a race together with other runners. Amen? Amen. To be part of a community that pursues the same direction that we're in. And today, we're going to talk about passing the baton. See, a number of years ago, there was a survey of uh, centenarians. These were people who lived a uh, hundred years and older. And the, the study asked these people if they had any regrets about their lives. And you know what they found out? One of the top answers of the survey was, I wish I could leave something that lives beyond me. Let me say that again. I wish I could leave something that lives beyond me. And another way of saying it is leaving a legacy. Something that you'll be remembered for. Something that people would recall about you. For which will be passed on to succeeding generations. And although it's one of the greatest desires of us as humans, the truth is a lot of people are forgotten a generation or two after they have passed away. Is that right? What do you remember about your great-grandfather? About your grandfather? What legacy can we remember about him? The reason most of us fail to leave a legacy is our focus. Uh, the leadership guru, John Maxwell, said, 
achievement comes to someone when he is able to do great things for himself. Success comes when he empowers followers to do great things with him. But a legacy is created only when a person puts his organization, or in our case, it could be our family, our church, into a, into a position to do great things without him. What we leave as a legacy reveals what's important to us. It reveals our priorities. It somehow shouts out what we want to be remembered for. It unveils whether we pointed to Jesus or to something else. Or maybe we pointed to ourselves. It is the testimony of God's work in our lives as the legacy. The spiritual inheritance. Or in our series, it's the baton. It's what we pass on. And that's what we're going to define this morning. In a 440 relay, races are won or lost with the handling of the baton. To drop, to drop the baton means losing the race. All the hard work, all the training, everything could be dashed with a single fumble. So the rule number one of relay events is never drop the baton. Second Timothy chapter 2 verse 2, the Apostle Paul, as he was writing to the person he was mentoring, a young pastor named Timothy, he said, And what you have heard from me in the presence of many witnesses, and trust to faithful men who will be able to teach others also. So we see here Paul, he was passing the baton to his uh, disciple, Timothy. And as we do that in our, in our race of life, in the, in the journey of faith in our lives, uh, it's important for us to handle the baton and pass it on. We have not successfully finished the race of life until we have passed on our baton to the next generation. Now, what is the baton? What is the baton? It's our mission. It's our mission. And today we are going to be reminded by the Word of God why we're here in this world as followers of Christ. If we're followers of Christ, this is what we call the Great Commission, Matthew 28, verses 18 to 20. And Jesus came and spoke to, him, to them, the followers, the disciples, saying, All authority has been given to me in heaven and on earth. Go, therefore, and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit, teaching them to observe all things that I have commanded you, and know the promise, I am with you always, even to the end. And if we look at this passage, I know that we can uh, look at a lot of verbs in this passage, but truly in Greek, it focuses on one command. And the one command is the one underlined. It's to make disciples. That's the baton, that's the mission that has been given to us. We each have a purpose 
and a mission in this world. But as followers of Christ, we have a collective mandate. And that collective mandate is to make disciples. That's the purpose why we come here every Sunday. It's not for us just to listen to the Word of God and you know, just grow and become more like Christ. But there is a purpose to it. The purpose is for us to, to share the relationship that we have to others. Friend Day is coming up. August 13. It's our, uh, it's one of the Sundays that we have that we plan every year in church where we can get the opportunity to ask our friends, especially those who don't have a relationship with Jesus yet, to hear the gospel. And that's what we want to, to, to prepare for, August 13. I know I'm plugging it in, but it will be announced again later. But that's our purpose. I mean, we're familiar. Last week, I, I mentioned about Ephesians 2, verse 8 and 9. We're familiar with that passage, you know, that we were saved by grace through faith. It's not of our works. It's a gift of God that we can boast. But God saved us because of His grace. But we can't just stop there. There is verse 10. Verse 10 says, For we are God's workmanship. Created in Christ Jesus to what? To do good works, which God prepared in advance for us to do. And that's a profound statement. That's a big statement. You see, God gave us a collective mandate, but individually, God gave you a personal mission. God has an individual plan for your life, a specific task. It's a job that is only tailored fit for you and you alone. Only you can fulfill it. And He has created and designed you for it long before you were born. He knew it according to His foreknowledge. In Psalm 139, verse 13 to 16, I, I just placed verse 16, but let me read, read beginning in verse 13. This David praying, writing his psalm, he said, For you created my inmost being. You knit me together in my mother's womb. I praise you because I am fearfully and wonderfully made. Your works are wonderful. I know that full well. My frame was not hidden from you when I was made in the secret place, when I was woven together in the depths of the earth. Your eyes saw my unformed body. All the days ordained for me were written in your book before one of them came to me. Can I just say that again? All the days ordained for me were written in your book before one of them to me. You see, God has chosen each of us according to His foreknowledge. In 1 Peter 1 verse 2, that's what it says. So He knew long before that you will be right where you are right now. You're in your present situation. You're at this stage in your life. Whatever stage you are in, 
whatever scenario you may have in your life, you're at this certain point of spiritual journey. And right at this moment, at this point in your life, He has a plan for you. Whether you're on a transition, whether you, know, you haven't figured it out, the Word of God says, I have something planned out for you. And whatever that is, it's an individual plan. It points to one general mandate. And that's the collective mission that God has given to us as His followers. And that is to make disciples. You know, we have to understand in this race we're running in, Our mission is different from the prize. Our mission in the race is to share, to make disciples. But our prize, our prize is no one else but Jesus Christ. The prize is Jesus Himself, the deep, satisfying love relationship with God through Christ. And the, the mission is to share this prize to others. That's why we, why the finish line is our being one with Christ, who is already Spirit, being with Him eternally in our heavenly, in our heavenly bodies forever and ever with Him. Jesus is the prize. Can you say that? Jesus is the prize. It's not our spiritual victories. It's not our, uh, the number of souls we win, but that's good. That's part of the mission. It's not the number of ministries we're handling. It's not how we're faithful in our, in, in our uh, Bible reading, in our prayer time. No. Those are spiritual acts, spiritual disciplines. They're good. They help us in our mission. But we must never forget that more than the mission, more important is the prize. And that's Jesus. We're fulfilling the mission. We're, we're trying to achieve our best to fulfill the mission. Why? Because we want to give glory to our prize. Eventually, the crowns that we earn for the things that we do here on earth, in Revelation it says, we'll be laying those crowns before Jesus, our King. So, the life we live here is more important than the daily routines we go through. We, I have a 40-hour job. And uh, when you, I talk about routine, I, I understand what it means. Like, I wake up 4.30 in the morning, drive to, to Makati to, to beat the traffic, you know, as early as 5.15. Then, my shift starts at 9 a.m. I take the time to run in the morning before my shift starts when I can. But it ends at 6 p.m., and I start to drive through the traffic from Makati to Antipolo. 
and it would take two, one and a half, two hours, sometimes three hours, depending on traffic. But that's a routine. Talk about routine. Okay. But, you know, when we have a routine that really, you know, overwhelms us or would you say, captures all of your life, it's easy for us to get distracted with routine. I don't know your routine, maybe uh, you're engaged in business, you're a professional, I don't know. But we're, we're here more than the daily routines we go through, more than making a living. But His purpose for us is to give us life, not just existence, but a purpose for our existence. It's more than acquiring wealth, providing for our families. It's more than the pleasures that we experience in life. It's more than the religious and spiritual experiences that we have when we go to church. It's more than the achievements we have in this world. It's to have a love relationship with you. That's God's purpose for your life. And God wants you to use, God wants to use you to share this love relationship with Him to other people around us. And even the strangers, even to the uttermost parts of the world, according to Matthew 28, verse 19 to 20. And that's a big task. So as we keep on running the race, maybe we can ask ourselves this morning, have I lost sight of my purpose? My mission? Or maybe, you know, we're diligent with our mission. But have I given more importance to the mission than the prize? That can happen. That can happen. I talked about uh, during the series uh, how last April I ran my first ever marathon. I suffered during that marathon. I remember, if you remember, uh, I think it was the last Sunday or second to the last Sunday of April. I don't know if some of you know this, but I was limping. I was limping when, when I, I was leading worship here. Uh, I shared with you the thoughts that ran in my mind while running that marathon. I didn't do good time, like six and a half hours. I had so much thoughts in me while running. Some of the thoughts I shared were doubts. You know, I read in an article that you know uh, a lot of demons speak to you when you run a marathon. So uh, there were voices of doubt. You know, can you finish this race? Can you really make it to the finish line? I mean, you're tired right now. Your legs are aching. You're catching your breath and you're just, you know, 5 kilometers, 10 kilometers. You still have 30 more. So there were doubts. There were regrets, voices of regret. Like, what is this that I joined in? I shouldn't have uh, registered this race. 
you're suffering, when you're in pain. And it's like, you know, it's either I quit now and never finish or, you know, determined to, to really finish. There were promises that I made to myself, I'll never join another marathon again. another one this October. But what I was not able to share was my realization while running. I feel emotional about it because it was God, it was God's revelation. I was thinking, I gave so much effort. I was literally suffering in that marathon just to finish and get a medal. And I endured. I finished. And the Holy Spirit, while I was running, I remember I was running the length of BGC flyover, the Bendia flyover from BGC to Bendia to Hilpuya. And the Holy Spirit just impressed upon me like a still small voice. You know, I didn't really hear a literal voice. But the Holy Spirit impressed upon me. Would I suffer? Would I endure? Would I sacrifice as much for him and his mission? You know, I had to discipline myself to run, to join that marathon. Even if, when, when there were days that I didn't feel like running, you know, to not eat certain foods, to eat the ones that, that would really help me, even if I really didn't enjoy the taste of the food. There was a certain amount of sacrifice, a certain amount of self-discipline that I put in. And the Holy Spirit said, would I do the same for Jesus and His great commission He gave to me? I mean, I mean, I was reminded of that with the song that we sang. For me to live is Christ and to die is gain. And there, there was a portion of that uh, song there was a lyric there that said uh, I, I don't remember the line but uh, if you sing it, sing it, I remember it. What's the chorus part? No matter what price
but only one gets the prize. Run in such a way as to get the prize. Everyone who competes in the games goes into strict training. And this has become personal to me. They do it to get a crown that will not last, or a medal. But we do it to get a crown that will last forever. Our mission, our purpose, is to share the love relationship that we have, to share the price that we have sometimes it would make us think and even uh, question ourselves. Is, really, is Jesus really our prize? Do we really think about Him as our prize? Do we really feel that He is our prize? And it's a reminder for us. The second point, the method of passing the baton is through relationships. It's through relationships. Matthew 22, verse 37 to 40. Jesus said, He said to him, You shall love the Lord your God with all your heart and with all your soul and with all your mind. This is the great and first commandment. And the second is like it. You shall love your neighbor as yourself. On these two commandments depend the law, all the law and the prophets. When we pass on the baton, you know, I know in church everything can be real, programmed, organized, how we do it. You know, there's a way to do it. But bottom line, it's really relational. It's a love relationship. God wants us to have a love relationship with Him, but we only we also share that love relationship with Him through a love relationship with other people. It's through our relationship with them. You know, many times church can produce database Christians. Sometimes we can be in informational instead of relational. You know, we're good at sorting, analyzing, retrieving, and organizing biblical information. We know a lot of facts about the Bible. We grew up in Sunday school. We know all the stories. But that's it. And the result is believers who are packed full of biblical truth but really lack experience. Experiencing what we believe. You know, we can make it our goal to read the Bible. That's good. To read the book. To understand the book. To teach the book. And we can think that is Christianity. But the book, the Bible, is meant to lead us into the experience of God who wrote the book. That's more important. We're to live in a personal, loving, intimate fellowship with God. And we must never forget that. So it starts with a relational approach in our, in our spiritual life as well. So the way we share it is the same way. Sometimes we can even be self-dependent instead of uh, being spirit-dependent. The Apostle Paul 
said to the Corinthians, My message and my preaching were not with wise and persuasive words, but with a demonstration of the Spirit's power, so that your faith might not rest on men's wisdom, but on God's power. And to be honest with you, I have spent many years in ministry thinking I was trusting God. Now, I really thought I did. Now, in my years of serving full-time, but after being driven to my own isolation, being driven to performance to admit the negative things that, are, that were happening in my personal life before, and setting the mission as a priority above the prize which is Jesus that happened to me. I realized in this last four years that in reality, my flesh was my strength. I was trusting in my flesh. Now my goal is to trust God and appropriate the power of the Holy Spirit and depend on the Spirit of God when I preach the Word of God. That's my prayer. That's my heart. And even as we share the gospel with people, you know, sometimes we can be flesh-driven, you know, because we know, we have memorized the method, you know, the Romans road, we have memorized the, the system, we have four spiritual laws, or whatever system we use, the John 3.16 method. But really, we need to depend on the Spirit, the Holy Spirit, and we need to listen to the Holy Spirit as we share the gospel. And being sensitive to the Holy Spirit helps. Because it helps us listen to the person. And here's a clue. Anytime a person talks about spiritual things or asks about spiritual things, that's a signal that the Holy Spirit is working in their lives. At least they're getting curious. Because, you know, the, the Word of God says, uh, for the carnal man, spiritual things, you know, for the carnal man, there's no appetite for spiritual things. So the moment someone talks about spiritual things, asks about spiritual things, that's a, a sense, uh, a signal. It sends a signal to us. The Holy Spirit is at work in that person's life. So we can start talking to them about spiritual stuff. That's the, the Lord also telling us, it's time for you to talk about, about me, about the relationship. And it's relational, it's spirit-dependent. Sometimes we can use the shotgun approach or the, what they call the shock approach. Right? It still works. I mean, you still plant the word, plant the seed. But it's more efficient when you are spirit dependent and you listen to the word of God. You know, there's a balance of being organized, aggressive, uh, but we need to depend on the Holy Spirit more. That's important. Relational. Sometimes, even when we uh, train people, it's a matter of educating rather than equipping. 
Proverbs 27, 7, 8 says, Iron sharpens iron, and one man, one man sharpens another. You know, the educational approach gives people in our church, in the church, information about the ministry. It gives principles. It, uh, it gives uh, methods. And we expect them to apply it. But you know what? Jesus' method of equipping was not, here's how to do it. No. Jesus' method was, follow me. Follow me. Matthew 4.19, that's what he said to the, to the disciples. Jesus modeled for them the perfect life of the servant of God. Now, we're not perfect. Our lives may not be perfect. But through our transparency, and as we see each other's spiritual journey, Modeling is still the best method of equipping disciples. We learn to minister by being ministered to and ministering as well. And you know where that happens? It doesn't happen in this setting. This is a crowd. But when we you know, start to get involved in a community, in a small group, that's where people start to share what their spiritual journey is. We hear their story. We hear their own personal journey and how real faith is, is uh, being experienced in their life. You know, with the day-to-day -day things that are happening to them, how, how they're applying the truths of the Word of God and how they struggle with certain stuff. You know, we talk about it and we walk with them. What they share, the stories they share, minister to us. And our presence, our own experiences, minister to them as well. I mean, it's relational. Even just a time that you sit down and, you know, talk over a cup of coffee with a believer. And you share your own spiritual journey. We are ministering. It doesn't have to be a defined ministry that, you know, you enlist in this ministry. Yes, that's good. We can get organized in that way. But we must never forget it's relational. It's true relationships. And we must also be reminded that sometimes we can be program-oriented rather than people-oriented. Hebrews 10, verse 24 to 25. I invite you to read this with me aloud. Ready? Begin. And let us consider how to stir up one another to love and good works, not neglecting to meet together as is the habit of some, but encouraging one another and all the more as you see the day growing here. Encouraging one another. And some words... But I'd like for us to focus there on is our not neglecting it. There's the habit. So there's a rhythm. As we talked about in, in running our race, there's a rhythm to it. So we need to establish this rhythm of relating to spiritual friendships that we have. And that can be nurtured in small groups. 
Although, you know, in church, it's, it is sometimes unintentional. But in the last four years, you know, just sitting there with you, not being part of the ministry really, I was able to, to take a look at ministry from the outside. You know, I was, I was part of, of the ministry before. I worked full-time. But I, I, I sometimes notice that, you know, volunteers and workers can end up feeling being used like a piece of machinery to help keep the religious factory running. You know, sometimes that can happen. You know, with, with our church growing, multi-location, we have a lot of ministries organized. You know, we can get people signed up for this ministry at all. It's good to organize those things. But we must never forget. But rather than using people to build programs, it's important for us to establish relationships that build people. We can still do, do it in that or with that organization. Like uh, in the last few months. Uh, my wife and I have been hosting or co-hosting with other couples uh, by a small group, uh, young couples in our, in, our, in our church, mostly those who are in, in our circle of ministry as well. So we are friends with those who are in our uh, music team, our worship team. Like we have couples who are part of the music team and we're part of, of a small group. No, it's natural because we have that you know, relationship already. We're here, we're, we're part of the same ministry. It's just, just formalizing, organizing it so that you know, we can facilitate uh, getting to know the spiritual journey of each other. It's important that we do that. My prayer for you is that if you're here and if you don't have a group like that, pray for it. And I pray that you would find groups here where you can be involved in, a, in your own spiritual journey with them. Share with them. Because it's important for us to be people-oriented. I read somewhere. I, I found it funny. You know, that there are churches that can bring people in but burn people out. So that's not what we want to do. You know, the dynamics of deep Spiritual relationships have great influence for changing our lives. If you can recall some of the uh, most memorable spiritual experiences that you had in your life, probably it involves someone ministering to you personally, relationally. Because it's through relationships that God works in our lives. It is where we live out the one another's that, that are taught to us in the New Testament. So as we summarize the message this morning, it's just three, three phrases. Run for the prize. Run with a mission. Run with another. Can we say that? Run for the prize. Run with a mission. Run 
with another. Again, please. Run with the, with, for the prize. Run with the mission. Run with another. Let's all bow our heads. We'll pray, but before we pray, maybe you're here. And even as we talked about the purpose of God in our lives, maybe you are reminded today that I never have really figured out that that was my purpose, to have a personal and a love relationship with God through Jesus. I mean, I have been attending church, I have religion, but I really can't say that I have this love relationship, this intimate relationship with God through Jesus. And today, I want to open my heart to God and I want to have that relationship with God. I admit that I, I'm a sinner and I need Jesus in my life and I need Him that way. I need to have a relationship with Him. Pastor Jeff, can you please pray for me? I want to make that decision in my life today. I want to have Jesus in my heart to have a love relationship with Him. All heads bowed, all eyes closed. Just quietly raise your hand and let, let us pray for you. Is there anyone like that here? I want to make that decision. I haven't made that decision. Now maybe you've made that decision in your life. And as you were listening to the message, and as your head is bowed, eyes, eyes are closed this morning, you're listening to the Holy Spirit speaking to you. What is He challenging you? to do this morning? What is the challenge that God is reminding you this morning about your relationship with Him? Have you been reminded about the mission that maybe you've lost track, you've been distracted by something else? Maybe it was even you know, the mission that has distracted you from the prize. And you've forgotten that you know, it's really about Jesus. It's really about giving Him glory, pleasing Him. And in your seat, you can just say a prayer this morning and just, just talk to God. Recommit yourself. Respond to the Holy Spirit just as He spoke to you this morning. Maybe for some of you, you long for the relationship in the church where you won't feel isolated, you won't feel alone in your spiritual journey. Maybe you're here and you're saying, Pastor Jeff, please pray for me. I pray that I'll be able to find, to, be, to become part of a group where I can share and walk with others about my spiritual journey. Is there anyone like that here? Can I pray for you? 
anyone like that? I need that type of relationship with my in my life. Spiritual friendships. Please pray for me. Anyone like that? So Father, we commit to you your word that you planted in our hearts this morning. The reminders that you gave us. Lord, I pray that even as we have been reminded of our mission, as we're reminded of you as our prize, Lord, do bring us back Lord, to, to what's important. Realign our priorities. Help us, Lord, to make important decisions this week on what to prioritize, Lord, in our lives. Lord, our families, live the legacy that we want to leave to our children for the parents here. Lord, remind us of what's important so that we may keep on running the race, Lord, that you have set out before us. Thank you for this morning. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.